Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Who are those guys? I'm Galen. And I'm Doug. And we're those movie guys. Bringing movie reviews and previews to the masses since 2007. This is Sunday, July 1st, 2007. Today on the show, we're going to review a couple of new DVD releases with The Bridge of to Terabithia, which released a couple weeks ago, and releasing just this past Tuesday, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. And it's July, so that means it's time to take a look back at the ha past half year of film and give our awards for the best and worst of 2007 so far. And first, we'll take a look at a DVD you may not be familiar with. It's Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. In Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, director Scott Glosserman gives us a mockumentary-style view of what makes guys like Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, and Jason Voorhees tick. At least he would if they were real people. The comedy slasher flick is far from a new subgenre. Scream provided us with a clever deconstruction of the slasher flick, while at the same time it was a slasher film in its own right. And the Scary Movie series gives the horror genre the complete Mel Brooks treatment with varied success. However, nothing has been quite like Behind the Mask. So Galen, I ask you, does this unique spin on the horror film work for you, or is it an interesting failure? I think on the whole that it does work. I think it's a very funny deconstruction of the slasher flick subgenre. I love how, in a lot of ways, it's almost like a lecture on the the subgenre of slasher flicks. Because in a lot of ways, you get these discussions from uh, from Leslie Vernon t speaking to Taylor about the imagery and the symbolism <laughs> and, and yeah and and you get all the different rules of the genre but also you get the the different phallic and yonic imagery that is present and in a lot of ways it just reminded me of being back in college and sitting in a lit class or a, a film class and discussing the symbolism in it now, the amazing thing is that they do this in a hilarious way because it's supposed to be they're interviewing this man who wants to become a great slasher. And it, it's just, I, I thought it was really fascinating. I agree. I really like this movie. I laughed a whole lot through it. I thought a lot of the parodies or the, the sight gags and the, the jokes from past references to different slasher movies, I thought they were all really, really funny. I thought... Those lectures, as you put it, yeah. explaining kind of the, the code of <laughs> ethics and the symbolism. It, it is funny, maybe for that reason, because you associate it, or at least I associate it with sitting in the classes yeah. discussing this sort of thing. But I think even without such a, a discussion or a forum setting, you know, just any casual viewer probably will tend to sit and think about what's being said in the film and, and relate it to other slasher movies. Oh, yeah, this yeah. does happen in every slasher movie. Right, and I, I think what helps sell it are the performances, such as Nathan Basil as uh, Leslie, Leslie uh, Vernon. 
it, it's just fascinating because he plays him as a slightly pretentious artist. And and that adds fuel to the comedy of the imagery that he's talking about. I mean, he's not just a murderer. He's he's an artist. You know, he's a craftsman. And he gets irritated whenever he Taylor doesn't understand the art of what he's what doing. What he's trying to do. I agree. Nathan Basil does have a very good performance in this. And, and the character he plays, I think, makes this story work even yeah. more. That, you know, he has it all planned out. Nothing can interfere. Yeah. You know, you can't screw it up. And you're right. The moments in the film when he gets frustrated over Taylor's why. Yeah. And he just can't believe she doesn't understand. Yeah, it's like, why did the swallows (laughs) return to Capistrano? I mean, it's, it's that slight air of pretension to him. I mean, he's almost like a, a new film student that's just out of graduating and thinks he's, you know, the next Alfred Hitchcock. Right. And it's it's just hilarious. And they're constantly poking fun at the grad student type of mentality because they do that. The, uh, Le- or Taylor and her, and Todd and Doug, her, the, film, her crew. film crew are grad students. And, you know, they sort of fall into that trap as well. And uh, I, I also, I, I did like Angela Goethals as as... Taylor, I thought she was very good. I mean, she gave this great performance where she never looks comfortable at all until the very end of the film. I mean, she always looks kind of unsettled. And right. At first, it was kind never... of disorienting to me because every scene she's running and she constantly, her head's whipping around yeah. everywhere, like, you know, looking back as their camera crew right behind her. Where am I headed? Where's yeah. he going? You know, and... At first, it, all I could think of was, you know, just keep looking forward. Don't keep looking back, you know, <laughs> almost as if I were behind the camera, yeah. you know, seeing this. It's ruining the film, you continually looking well, back see, at the camera. And to me, that's what worked because clearly her and her crew don't know what they're right, doing. Right, right. I that, mean, that the crew, amateur. The crew frequently talks to her uh, on screen. And, right. Or and they get in the frame. They start the rolling the camera before the the one member's out of the frame. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. was a funny part. But I I think it was just very clever the whole, yeah. lot, the whole way through. And this is kind of a good and a bad point. Around two-thirds through the movie, there's, of course, a major plot twist. Yeah. Where the documentary kind of comes to an end, and it it almost... This film crew kind of involves themselves right into the slasher movie going on. And and there's a change of film style. I mean, earlier in the film, you do see a couple scenes where it changes into the slasher flick style. Rather than documentary. Very sparse. Right. Until this sort of plot twist. And while I thought the plot twist was interesting, I didn't really see it coming. And, you know, the movie was carried out to its end. I thought it was okay. But I, I would have liked to have seen it finished out documentary yeah. style. I, I mean, I, I'm agreeing with you that, that the last third is a problem. Although, for different, I, I don't necessarily mind the uh, plot twist. But... The the biggest issue I have is it's almost a betrayal of the whole tone exactly. of the rest of the film. Exactly. I, I think in a sense that the the filmmakers, I think Scott Glosserman, the director, 
might have been afraid to go the whole thing documentary style. And because I think he was afraid of making the character of Taylor and Doug and Todd seem to be callous bastards who just, just want to get their piece of film. Right, but at the same time, you know, the the whole... I think the way the movies build up, I, I wouldn't have had a problem with that. No, no, I, I think, I mean, like I said, he was afraid of that. I think that's why he made this choice. But... I don't think he needed to be either. It would have been a very black type of comedy, right. but I don't think there's anything But at the same time, you know, the, the movie the movie is a comedy. It's lighthearted. I don't think I would have taken it seriously enough, you know. <laughs> and, and actually, I thought at the time whenever the, uh, the killer has this elaborate setup to get who you think is right. the girl he's after... You have Taylor and her crew in the closet with them waiting for the cheerleader and the jock to come up and yeah. start slow. Well, the killer eventually runs in and kills them. And the one cameraman, you can even tell, is debating, should I look? Should I look? Should I get this? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? And, and you could almost tell in his voice that he wanted to. You know, yeah. Just being that documentary-type inquiring mind. And I wish they would have continued in that direction instead of... Basically, yeah. giving the kids a conscious. Well, yeah, and I, I think that kind of and... that kind of rings false too, because all of a sudden they're like, "We have." To, well, they knew what he was doing the, the whole, whole time. time. I I mean, it's not like they didn't realize it, and I I just didn't buy that they would wait till he actually started killing people to to show signs of remorse over it. But um, you know it. it, it in, more so than that, even if it would have become a horror film in the third act, like it does, I think it almost could have worked, because you had the contrast of, and they even set this up earlier, where horror flicks typically have the, the cool, hot kids mm -hmm. are the ones that are in it, and clearly this film crew is anything but the cool, <laughs> hot kids. But... And I think they could have had fun with that by making the last third almost a spoof of a horror movie. Right. But I think it it's not. It really becomes a horror movie itself. Maybe not as serious and not as not as fright driven as as normal. But it's still basically just a horror flick. And that that is a problem, unfortunately. So, Doug, on the whole, what are you going to give Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon? Well, I still really liked it, despite the last third of it being kind of a letdown. I'm giving it a four. Yeah, I'm going to give it a four as well. I think, despite the troublesome third act, it's still probably the best deconstruction of the slasher flick that we have out it's there. It's just pretty damn funny. Okay, now we're going to move on to our review of the DVD of Bridge to Terabithia. First of all, I'm going to start off with a warning that this review will contain some spoilers. We normally try to avoid this, but in this case I don't believe it's possible to discuss the film without discussing a crucial plot point that could spoil the film for those who haven't seen it. So if you haven't seen Bridge to Terabithia yet and hate spoilers, fast forward to the end of our review now. 
Okay, Doug, now that those pussies are out of the way, (laughs) I'd like to say that uh, now Doug and I have frequently bitched about the mismarketing of movies by the studios, and I think one of the worst examples of this can be seen in the ads for Bridge to Terabithia. To view the previews, one would expect the film to be a vapid little Harry Potter wannabe filled with second-rate action sequence and a third-rate script, desperate to make children separate their parents from their hard-earned cash. All of this is probably why Doug was less than enthusiastic when I suggest we watch the film to review this week. Well, I imagine after seeing the film, he now knows that this film is not simply a fantasy story for kids, but is rather a surprisingly heart-wrenching study of how we deal with grief and loss. So, Doug, later I want to know whether or not you enjoyed this movie, but before that, we must make our unmanly confessions. I'm not ashamed to admit that this movie made me cry like a ten-year-old girl. Did it do the same to you, or am I just a big fat pussy? Alright, well, I won't call you a big fat pussy, and the movie did make me cry, but not over the events in the film. It made me cry because I truly and utterly hated this movie. Wow. Alright, well, this this is going to rival the... the okay, I'm going to let you go. I'm not going to sputter on. But. I thought this movie had problems everywhere it possibly could have, from the acting... From the writing, to the camera work, to the directing, everything. Everything was bad. Yo, I'm waiting. No no comment yet. I'm waiting. You said everything's bad. Let's hear examples. I will go through. First of all, like you usually do, I'll start with the good. I will mention there's some good to this film. Alright, first of all, it's pretty to look at. It is very colorful. And... I did like Anna Sophia Robb. I thought her character was... I thought she did well acting. I can't say I I really liked her character, but I thought she did well acting. That's where the good ends, and the rest is all bad. I... Yes, the movie is emotionally taxing, but the sudden twist in tone... It's... It's wildly out of place. I mean wildly out of place. Even the whole discussion they have about whether God damns people to hell and after the church scene, that is wildly out of place, especially since it's the little four- or five-year-old sister who's having this conversation with the boy well, and the girl. Well, if you think that's an issue, you haven't spent much time in church where you hear these little children that have been indoctrinated into their faith. And, I, I mean, I think five-year-old girls do have those discussions okay, but in that's, certain areas. But that's not the point. It certainly is out of place in this film. And if you don't agree with that, you're just wrong. I, I, I absolutely don't agree, but I'm, okay, I'm going to well, let you go. I'm going to let you make your argument here. I, I, aside from the point that this movie does not even close to work for the audience it was intended or marketed for, as you said in the, the blurb. Yeah. You, you know, it was marketed for younger kids, which I think they'll all hate this movie with a passion. I, I, I don't know. I, I think it'd be wrong for very small kids, but I, I don't well, know if I'd say hate. Wrong, definitely, but I think they'll hate it. I think 
everything. Okay, but we're not reviewing the marketing. All right, all right. <laughs> okay. So aside from that, I thought I thought it was basically a Pan's Labyrinth ripoff because you have these two kids who are trying to create this world almost as a means of escaping from their yeah. lives. The only problem was in Pan's Labyrinth, it was written well, it was, the acting was fine, and you didn't believe that the girl was just on drugs in Pan's Labyrinth, Ophelia. You, you thought that she just had a creative and imaginative mind. And Terabithia, I just thought that girl was on drugs. Right. She just, she just didn't make sense. Just out of nowhere, she kind of starts off with this, oh, and the Dark Master will get us, and we have to save our kingdom, and... You obviously don't remember being a ten-year-old, because we did very similar stuff to this exact same thing. I mean, it was almost identical. All I right, mean, don't well, you remember I'm the not, creek? I'm not... <laughs> I'm not disputing maybe the realism yeah. of kids doing this. Maybe I'm disputing how it was done in the film. No. All right, wrong. well, no, I'm going to continue. Okay, I'll You're let not you talking go. yet. Now I'm going to move on to some of the technical issues. There were frequent jump cuts all over the place, okay? You know, there's certain rules that when you make cuts, you might want to yeah. vary your angle stuff so you're not disorienting the audience. This did, this cheated those rules all the time. Yeah, it did. I, I mean, I never was, found them intrusive. Well, it was impossible for me to get into with I, this film. I mean, the special effects were garbage. Utter garbage. <laughs> I, I don't, I think that's completely irrelevant in this movie. I, but I think this movie was touted for its special. I think they tried to push that off when, in a lot of the previews and the marketing tour. Well, we're not we're not reviewing the marketing. We're I mean, yes, the marketing sucked. I I've established that, and you agree. Okay. Well, but, the writing sucked. I thought the characters. <laughs> okay, what like, sucked about the writing? I thought a lot of the dialogue was. Very cliched. I thought that the boy's father was a complete cardboard cutout. Oh, you gotta get your head oh, out of the clouds, Oh, you're, you're totally wrong, because that's... I, I know so many dads that were like that. And not only that, but he does act like that, but he has that terrific moment near the end of the film that flesh gives his character flesh and actually rounds him out. Yes, he's hard on him. He's a gruff man who expects his son to act manly. But you still see that he has feelings and he cares for his son, even though he doesn't show it. You're pretty much wrong with that, I You're would say. You're an idiot. Like, okay, was your heart surgically removed and replaced with some sort of but piece of it, black, it, it evil is coal? emotionally taxing. So, so you enjoyed watching this film. I did. I wanted I, to rip it out of the DVD player and throw I, the fucking thing out of the room. Okay, the, you, Grindhouse, I could see your points with Death Proof. With this, you're just completely wrong. I'm completely. actually, I'm having trouble finding words to explain because I can't believe you like this. <laughs> okay, well, do you want to hear why? Not really, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, first of all, I, I think it there's a certain intangible quality that it does have where it is very emotionally powerful. And I... 
I think a lot of that comes from Anna Sophia Robb's performance. Okay. I think I think she's lovable in this role, even though you she, thought she was on drugs. I think she's lovable, and you she's grow on to, drugs, but she was the high point. Yeah, and you grow to care about her. I loved the set designs and the costumes, and I thought it contributed to the feel. I loved, for example, how the. Uh, uh, I forget the boys' last... Hutcherson... Or the Aarons, I'm sorry. Jesse's family. Their colors are all subdued, almost like browns, dull colors. You know, and and her... Kel- the Burke colors are all bright, and they use, you know, the whole palette, like pastels. And to me, it showed... It, it was a visual way of showing how she brought out, helped to bring out the creative side of Jesse and how that helped to make him become more more uh, imaginative than he was, or at least to bring it out, because he certainly drew before he met her, but it allowed him to bring it out more. So I love that. I, I thought, I think it's a perfect example of a, 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 a family film in the sense that it has a simple story that carries a lot of emotional weight with it. And as far as the tone changing, I I think that's completely wrong, because while I agree that to- it does change tone, the whole film is a setup for that change in tone. Because that's what the film is about. Even though it happens to only happen two acts into the film, it... it the entire first hour is a setup for that. The movie is is a uh, exploration of dealing with grief and loss, and it needs that hour of setup, or you're not going to, as an audience member, feel that sense of grief and loss, and you're not going to believe that Jesse was able to form a bond with Leslie in order to feel that loss himself. I'm about to comment, but I'll let it go. go no, ahead. go Continue. ahead. No. Uh, All right. So if you think this is the direction that the film is going, yes, then I have to be honest. I didn't. I would have rather maybe then the film have been longer, so that you didn't spend just a quick twenty minutes or so of him dealing with the grief, and then he builds the damn bridge, makes up with his sister, and takes him to some horribly computer-animated world of creatures and a golem that looks like the the bully girl that, I have to admit, made me laugh quite a lot. (laughs) I thought that was about as gay as you could get. Oh, my. But go ahead and continue. (laughs) I'm telling you, I don't even know why I'm bothering. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know why I bothered. We're we're on the very, very opposite extremes on this. I mean, you. you I don't even know how. You know, I don't know how you can say it's fair to not review this movie based on how it's marketed. I think any form of criticism. Did we do that with The Lookout? No, it was marketed as a heist film, and even we did comment that it was marketed as such. But it's it's not fair to do that. I mean, just because they don't—they're not the people who make the movie. Well, even still. Okay, even Disney themselves had this marketed as a kids' movie. Yeah, I agree. They sucked. I mean, the the marketing (laughs) was horrible. 
I don't know how much more you want me to And I don't that. know, I don't think, I think the movie's a complete failure because of that. Because of the marketing. So, so basically... How do you expect an audience to come into this expecting to see something? I mean, I've been... I've gone into movies expecting one thing and have gotten another. But this is like... Like I said, it is the exact opposite of the extreme. So basically you're saying that you... Beforehand, you saw the previews, you decided, I'm, I hate this movie. And I, then you watch it and say, I hate this movie, I don't, I'm not even going to... Pay attention to what's happening. I pretty much went into this movie with low expectations, like you said in the blurb. About 20 minutes into the movie, I was really not liking it. It just, the movie wasn't working for me. And then, once that shift in tone came, it, it didn't get any better. If anything, it just got worse. I, I don't, you didn't find that emotionally moving at all. Yes, I did. That's what I'm saying is the problem. So you're basically critiquing because you don't like the type of movie it is. I, you wanted I, them to make another... You, well, you, basically, you're saying G Gaber Supo should have made a different movie. Yes, he should have. <laughs> he should have stuck with more of the kids' movie that Disney is known for that, hell, even the Rugrats cartoon that he does is known for. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's exactly like saying the the few critics who criticized Pan's Labyrinth and said that it wasn't good because it didn't have enough of the fantasy world in it. And it's it's the same exact thing. You can't criticize a movie because it's not because you think it would be you want it to be a different type of movie. But you can criticize a movie if it works for its intended audience. And this movie doesn't. I think it does, because the bridge to Terabithia, the book, is routinely read we're by... We're not even talking about no, the book. No, we're not, but the book is read by junior high students, and I think that is, if you view junior high students and maybe late elementary school as the, the um, intended audience, which I think is fair, since those are the ones who will be familiar with the book and will probably be the most likely to see it, if you look at them, I think that is for them. Well, then what do you say about the technical issues? So maybe if I would have seen some tighter performances by the characters, like I said, I thought Anna Sophia Robb was the only one that was good. The, uh, you didn't Zoe... think Josh Hutch Hutcherson was fine as just... I mean, none of them rock your world, but, you know, they're, I thought they're they child actors. Terrible, some of them. Some what? were worse what? than okay, others. Josh Hutcherson wasn't that bad, but like Zoe Dashnell, who was the music teacher, yeah. she sucked. And she's done plenty of other films. I, I think she was fine. I, I think she was fine. I I mean, I'm what not you, going to what say What do you that. think about the wild soundtrack, where just at certain okay. parts in the movie, the, the sound just dominates the film, and it's some kind of cheesy pop song okay. that then cuts off? That was one issue I did have. And I do have it written down here that butt pop is a is annoying, and it it does happen way too much. But you're the one who's bitching and saying that oh, it's not working for its intended audience. What's intended audience is gonna love that? All right. Well, so then there might be three moments in the <laughs> film that the intended audience will like. The rest of the hour and twenty minutes, they're gonna hate it. No, you're. I just I can't get over how wrong you are. 
I, I mean, as far as the other technical issues, the jump cuts, I didn't even notice. So, I mean, they couldn't have been too horrible. All right, well, so then it sounds like you just liked the movie for its emotion, the emotional twist. A lot. I won't say emotional twist, because I think it's setting you up for that. But at the same time, I think the emotional value is relevant, yes. I mean, I think you look at a movie, two movies I'm going to say, this isn't as good as them, so don't jump on me, but Casablanca and Shawshank Redemption... Excellent movies. Yes, but they both have some technical flaws. I mean, as far as plot and story, they work because they have an emotional strength to them. Yeah, but they have a lot of other things going for them, too. Much, much stronger performances, and let me tell you... It does make a difference. I'm not... I'd to like, me, it makes a difference. These performances don't help the film. They help I, bring me out of I it. I did say that the, those are much better films, didn't I? Yes. But, I'm just... Just so you realize that. <laughs> but I'm saying it's the same thing. I think it's possible for... I think the emotional quality counts for a lot. I think if it works, if it gets an emotional response out of you, isn't that the goal of art? I mean, isn't that what art is trying to do? More than just a scientific compilation of perfect technique? Well, so, I don't understand then. Why does this movie hold so much praise with you? And other movies, like, <laughs> you know, A Walk to Remember, where the Mandy Moore's character gets cancer and dies well, I never saw end. A Walk to Remember. I thought you did say that. No. I thought you were making fun of that one time. <laughs> no. All right, well, you mentioned many times the get cancer and dies. When Leslie doesn't get cancer. Well, why why doesn't that work in some films? No. Why do you make fun of that and uh, then okay. it's the the strongest thing that makes you okay. love the I'll movie. I'll tell you why. Go ahead. Because I'll I'll take a perfect example of the get cancer and die syndrome, I would say, is Titanic, although he doesn't die of cancer. And I knew I set myself up for this because Titanic is a horrible movie. And I'll say it doesn't work in all times. But, all right, go ahead and finish your explanation. But the the only purpose for his character to die in in Titanic is because it's going to make people sad because now she's alone. And that's it. Whereas the purpose of Leslie's death in Bridge to Terabithia is that the movie is about loss and grief. And you can't have... It, that is the thematic core. And you need a death to have that theme. And Why so she, can't a theme of Titanic be loss and grief? But it's not. It could be. It could it's be. It's not. How can you say that? <laughs> because the, the theme of Titanic is that James Cameron has too much time. Oh, no, that's not, a, that's not a legitimate criticism. No. Okay, okay. The, the, the legitimate criticism with Titanic <laughs> is that... It's, uh, you made me lose my train of thought. It's, the theme of Titanic is largely dealing with the past. And, and letting go of the past. And also moving on from the past. But it's, it's not lost. Because we never see Kate Winslet's character, how she dealt with the loss of Jack. We never see that. He dies, and then... We're in I the think future. we kind of do because we're in the future in that movie in Titanic. Oh, really? Well, we don't know. We don't know how she got married. We don't know how long she mourned for him. We don't know anything. We don't know who she married. 
But we've all... What... Alright, go ahead and continue. Finish up with your Bridge to Terabithia. But, but yeah, and the difference with Bridge to Terabithia is that we do get the mourning process with Jesse. And you see how people deal with loss, the, the, the feelings of sorrow they have, but also there are feelings of hope and, and remembrance. And it's, it's... And how do you get those feelings in Bridge to Terabithia? Because I didn't. The boy turns okay. bitter. He does, but he he gets what he realizes is that I I mean you see it in stages because at first he gets he totally shuts himself down okay and it's almost the denial phase you know and then after that he starts to get angry and bitter where he lashes out at the classmate and at his sister uh, by the time though that he hits his sister he started to realize that he he's starting to cling to what they had, which was Terabithia. And so that's where he wants to go. And he doesn't want his sister in there, because that was his and, and Leslie's place. He doesn't want anyone else to intrude on that. So he, that's why he pushes her away. But later on, he moves to the, the final stage of grief, where he starts to accept it. And he realizes that Leslie helped to make him a better person. That he he grew and that Terabithia was something special that they had. And he decides to share that with his sister. He opens up his heart again to not get too, <laughs> too uh, uh, blatant with it. Well, but. I have to tell you, I won't necessarily argue with these things, but I honestly believe you're reading so much more into the movie than what I would have got out of it. I don't think I I am. mean, I think you are almost trying to rewrite the whole movie into what it what should have been. What did I rewrite? You know, right. That was what was I on the almost screen. would say I would be more interested for you to have filmed this movie <laughs> so that you could have hired some good actors, decent direction, and put something together that I think is coherent. This movie, I'm sorry, is not. All right. Well, we could go on all day, and we certainly have. Yeah, we so have. I don't even want to know, but what the fuck are you going to give Fridge to Terrible? <laughs> I'm giving it more than I should have. I'm giving it a half. Are you fucking kidding me? I kid you not. I'm giving it four and a half. I think it's fantastic. And don't listen to Doug. He's a heartless moron. All right, well, now we've taken a small break to kind of settle down <laughs> and <laughs> collect our thoughts and put away our guns and weapons. Yeah, a, bit, a little <laughs> bit of tension. And we're going to talk about our worst and best of films so far this year. All right, and actually we're going to start with the worst. Yep. We have several categories <laughs> And each, for worst and best, we'll discuss. And we even have some honorary awards that we'll give. And we're going to start now with the worst soundtrack so okay. far this year. Go ahead, Galen. My worst soundtrack, Shrek the Third. Okay. If you bitched about the butt pop in Bridge to Terabithia, which I wasn't wild about either, you would have hated Shrek the Third, which was almost wall-to-wall -wall butt pop. And kind of a crappy movie all around. Well, I 
possibly would have agreed with you, since, but I haven't seen Shrek the Third, so I can't complain, so I'm giving it to Bridge to Terabithia. I, I sort of saw that, I'm, and that's one I won't necessarily bitch too much about, because I I thought the, the music's a little butt-poppy, so... Okay, well, we'll move right along to the worst art direction. I gave this to Smoke and Aces. Truly horrible. It was like a coked-up whore designed all of their sets and costumes. It was just all over the place. And I don't know if that's what they were going for. Maybe it was. But the whole thing looked hideous. It looked like Lucky Number Slevin just done by coked-up whores. And it's just... It, it, seriously, remember the irritating sets in Lucky Number yes, Seven. Yes, in fact, magnify I, that by about fifth. I had to review that to make sure we didn't see that this year. Yeah. I don't know why I thought we did because I wanted to give that worst art direction. <laughs> um, my award, I had trouble with this one. I ended up giving it to a Mighty Heart, and okay. the reason why is the sloppy editing. Okay, you know, there's some. Very beautiful shots in the movie, so it's not all bad. You know, the the things like costumes and lighting and all that stuff works, but I really hated the fragmented scenes, the, the quick cuts, you know, just pretty much the end of a sentence and boom, cuts to something mm. else. And so that all is kind of included in the art direction. I'm going to give this award to A Mighty Heart. Okay. Next, I guess we have worst worst writing. You probably know what mine is. Go ahead. With probably, yours. although we will have terms about this. But my worst writing is three hundred. Just horrible. It's basically repeating Sparta five thousand times. Just completely ridiculous. Uh, I wouldn't argue with that. Maybe if it was a <laughs> easiest task to write a film, yeah. I could win that. <laughs> But I'm sure you know what got it for me, Death Proof. Oh, okay. <laughs> what did you think? I, I thought you were going to go to Bridge to Terror. Oh, well, <laughs> I had issues with its writing, but no. Wow. I I'm going to have to give it to Death Proof. Okay, well, you're completely wrong on that, oh, but geez. we're not going to no, rehash that old debate. We went 20 <laughs> minutes on that movie already, so we'll slide right along to the worst performance by either an actor or actress this year. Mine is everybody in 300. Alright, well I I at least gave it to just Gerard Butler. Of but you're right, probably everybody yeah, in it it's, could. It's just horrible. I, I've never seen it. it they're playing cartoons. And, and maybe that's what they were going for. They wanted the comic book feel. But, you know, I, I think you can have the comic book feel. You can have character caricature-like characters, like Sin City does, but still have them flesh them out and be interesting, fully re well-rounded characters rather than just the mindless killing machines that right. you get in 300. You know, it's a good thing we don't hand out actual awards or you'd have to come up with 300 of them right now. I know, I know. <laughs> More than that, because you, well, you have to count... That's like, and the wife and the council. Uh, there are like, what, a million Spartans? So it, I'd be like, like that, yeah. yeah. Xerxes or whatever the <laughs> yeah. hell the god's name was. Okay. The drag queen. Well, that brings us to the worst of the worst. Yes. The worst film of 2007. For you? For my me, it was a rare case of a movie I didn't even watch the end of. Alpha Dog. Ooh. 
truly a horrible movie. It's just a... It, it, it basically, if you want the experience of Alpha Dot, go into a bad neighborhood of town to the local gym and sit around and listen to a bunch of teenagers talk. And that's basically the experience of Alpha Dog. <laughs> Especially if one of them has Bruce Willis acting poorly as the father. Aww, poor Bruce Willis. I know, and we know he's capable of better things, but not in this. Well, again, <laughs> I've never seen Alpha Dog, so I could have possibly agreed with that. But instead, I had to give it to Bridge of Terabithia. Alright, well... We don't need to hear the reason, because we, we know just did all too for well. 20 minutes we heard <laughs> what it was. All right, well, that takes the cake for our best of. Are there any honorary... Worst of. I'm sorry, worst of, yes. Any honorary worst of? No, like I had mention? no honorary worst of. Okay, and uh, neither did I as I scan over my <laughs> horribly written notes. Okay, let's move on to, to the best of so far this year. We'll start with the best soundtrack. Best soundtrack, no question. Black Snake Mode. No question. <laughs> Black Snake Mode. Terrific blues soundtrack. It and it's also a perfect example of a soundtrack blending into the film perfectly thematically. Right. You know, if you guys miss this one in the theater, it is a real shame. Unless you have an awesome cinema setup or a surround sound setup at home yeah. to enjoy the sound. But it, it really is something. All right. How about. The best art direction. I actually cheated on this and I gave a tie. Okay. I'm going That's to, allowed. I'm going to give it to Black Snake Moan and Waitress. I thought both of them had great use of art direction in Black Snake Moan. I love the the grunge to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just everything had such a lived in soul to it. And Waitress almost the complete opposite. It's almost like a, a parody of 50 sitcom type of look to it. So. Okay, well, I think both those choices are fine. I'm For my best ofs, I tried to kind of spread the love around. For the best art direction, I actually gave it to Ocean's 13. I was thinking of that. And primarily for its strong design. I mean, the cinematography yeah. was very beautiful in it, too. But the design of the casino, both inside and right. out, was, you know... Of quite an achievement. That's true. I I mean, I guess... The film itself wasn't so great. Right. (laughs) And I think that's ultimately why, because in Black Snake Moon and Waitress, the art direction contributes so much to the theme, whereas in in Ocean's 13, it's eye candy. But you're right, it is fabulous eye candy. Okay, let's move on to best writing. Best writing, knocked up. I loved the dialogue in this film. I loved how everything just... It sounded like guys talking. I mean, it's one of the best examples of how guys talk to one another. I mean, with the put-downs and everything. So I I just love that. The lines are great. Also, great performances, but... Well, my best writing I also gave to Knocked Up, but I want to also mention I didn't actually write this in as a tie, but like you... I had to really debate between this and Waitress, because yeah. I thought the writing of yeah. Waitress was... I, I was kind of torn with that. Fantastic, too. yes. All right, well, now for the best of actor and actress, we're actually going to give a an award to it, an actor and an yeah. actress. So we'll start with best actor so far this year. 
Uh, this was tough for me. I went with Samuel L. Jackson so for Black I. Snake Man. Really a great performance yes, there. I agree. No <clears throat> contest. Best actress so far this year. I think we might agree again. Carrie Russell, Carrie Russell for Waitress. Waitress. Really, I, once again, a great performance. To hear why, you can listen to our reviews of those two films. It, we went on at length. Mm-hmm. So then that brings us to some honorary That's awards. right. And we'll let you start. What would okay. you like to honor so far well, this year? I, I think one thing I have to point out is best on-screen duo. And that I'm going to give to Carrie Russell and Nathan Fillion in Waitress. I thought they just had fantastic chemistry. You know, I think a close runner-up might be Drew Barrymore and Hugh Grant. But I think these two were a little better than even them. Very good. I'm going to give an honorary special effects award to a movie that I gave a very low score to. Oh, God. <laughs> it's actually a movie. The movie is Pirates of the Caribbean, oh, okay. Dead Man's Chest. I'm giving the special effects award, though, to the final scene of the villain, Lord Beckett, where, I, I guess it's, uh, geez, what's his name, Orlando Bloom takes control of the Black Pearl, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry, what's the... I hated the movie so bad I can't remember the <laughs> ship's names. The Davy Black... Jones' ship. Um, oh, jeez, I don't even All right, well, <laughs> both ships come at Lord Beckett yeah. and destroy it. And the scene that is so awesome is where he's kind of coming from the... the his... The, the stupid wheel thing. <laughs> I'm at a complete loss. Wow. Boy, that's... You're right, that was awesome. Yeah, poor Ward. But anyway, he's walking across his ship as it is being blown into pieces. It uses like a very high-speed camera, you know, footage. Or it's actually a slow-motion shot, but you don't have the choppy motion. Yeah. It's all very fluid, and you have such debris going everywhere, and I'll stop talking because I totally <laughs> fucked that award all up. Go ahead. Remember the part with the wheel? And the... That was no. awesome. <laughs> all right. I won't make fun of you anymore, though. Well, at least for that. All right. Best camera work. Quentin Tarantino, Death Proof. I loved all the moves of the camera in this movie. I thought it was great. I, I just... Love the long takes, the weird camera angles. I just thought it was terrific. Well, I wouldn't argue with that. I mean, I thought one thing Death Proof had going for it was the car chase scene. I mean, that mm. was shot wonderful. The long takes are good. <laughs> Enough said. Um, I will give a Best Song Award to Haley Bennett's Buddha's Delight. <laughs> Music and lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> With tongue firmly planted in cheek, I think. Yes, yes. yes. That, that, that is good. <laughs> I'm going to give um, best scene of the year so far. Okay. And that's the jazz joint scene in Black Snake Man. Oddly enough, I have the same thing Do written you really? down. Best scene was the bar scene in yeah. Black Snake Moan, and that was a fantastic scene. Oh, yeah. Do you have any more honoraries? I have two more. Oh, I just have one, so okay. I'll let you do one. All right, well, I actually will give an award to a goriest scene, oh. and that goes to the movie Hot Fuzz, when I believe it's the mayor, it's an official of that <clears throat> little village who ends up getting killed by the like the pillar on top of the steeple of the church, falls <laughs> oh, yeah. and lands right on him, and it just kind of 
pierced. It doesn't necessarily split. Well, and he doesn't even get killed from it, does he? Oh, I think he's killed. I thought, because doesn't he start, because you're thinking of um, Timothy Dalton? Because he starts talking after that, remember? He's, like, driven onto it, and he's talking while he's pinned on it. No, this is the one. It falls from high above. It basically splits him almost in half. Oh, well, I, I guess I must be thinking of something else. Yeah, this one's pretty gory. As, as the pillar kind of <laughs> rams into him, it's just a pretty much a flood of blood and innards that <laughs> pours out onto the ground that's... Quite gross. <laughs> it's quite lovely. <laughs> Alright. Um, best original take on an old genre? I have Waitress. Because I love how it's basically a setup of an old romantic comedy style that we've seen for 40 plus years. But it's so different in its execution and in the resolution. And I, I just thought it worked brilliantly. Waitress is good for so many reasons. Yeah. I've would probably never disagree with anything you'd mentioned it in a best of list. My final honorary award goes to the most laugh out loud moment. And the award goes to Planet Terror. And the moment is the the cutaway from the sex scene <laughs> to the film reel missing that is moment. Funny. And then it cuts back to just the house burning in flames as they're escaping. Uh, I just I mean, as, again, the movie itself as a whole, right. maybe not so great, but that that, that is movie. a great moment. I think a funnier scene is in Hot Fuzz whenever he drop kicks the old lady. That's that's <laughs> a good one too. But <laughs> all right, so I think it's best picture time. It is best picture time, and your best picture so far, two thousand seven is I. It, and mine too, I think. It probably, yeah. It was a difficult toss-up for me between this and Waitress, but I'm going to go with Black Snake. And that is exactly Just by to the T for me. Waitress, you could probably interchange them, but yeah. I'm going to give it to Black Snake Man. It, certainly both are great films, so see both of them. Right. Don't, don't discriminate between one or the other, but if I had to choose, I'm going Black Snake Man. Okay, that's all for today's show. If you would like to review any of the ratings that we gave the movies that we covered today, please visit thosemovieguys.blogspot.com. There you can find more in-depth reviews, our star ratings, as well as links to items that we may have covered in the show. Plus, you can subscribe to our feed. Also, you can visit Google Groups at groups.google.com. When you're there, search for Those Movie Guys. You can post a message to our forums. And you can also email us at thosemovieguys at gmail.com. It's thosemovieguys at gmail.com. We look forward to any feedback that you can give us about why we're retarded. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.